Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Okay, uh, very interesting. We just need to move on. And uh, we, we are now studying on John 14, dealing with the issue of um, Christ's coming in relation to the rapture. Now, this is going to be uh, rapture 6, John 14, last day predictions, part number 9. Okay, yeah, this is going to be part number 9. But under, under the rapture is number 6 I'm dealing with John 14 So We're going with John 14 verse 3 And if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself Amen Now you may look at the above One might think that The come again that Jesus talked about Implies the second coming That is widely anticipated in the church today Hallelujah but was that what Jesus really had in mind when he used this word? Two questions surfaces here that I would like us to consider, and it's very important that we take a look at, at, at this particular uh, statement of Jesus. Very important. Hallelujah. First question is Was there a first? coming Amen I just want you to think about it because two questions that come to mind here was there a first coming as we look at this I'm trying to take my time so that you pick it but two questions really comes to mind was there a first coming I need there is a coming to be uh, and if there is a coming to be a second coming when was the first because if there is a second then hallelujah if there is a second then there must have been a first and I want you to really really consider that if there is a second then there must have been a first now Christ coming through the ages Christ coming is simply a revelation of himself to mankind it has been from time of creation in Micah chapter 5 verse 2 we read but thou Bethlehem a father thou that be little among the thousands of Judah Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old everlasting. Whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Goings forth, plural. Did you notice that? Micah 5 verse 2. Here the goings are in the plural form because he, as everlasting Father and mighty God, like you know in Isaiah chapter 7 13 to 14 and chapter 9 6 to 7 
has always been and have been coming. He has been and have been coming. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Notice that. He is the everlasting Father and he says, He is going forth. How will been of old? Now, carefully view that which we call first coming was only the creator manifesting himself to mankind for the work of redemption. Look at it. First Timothy 3 verse 16. And without controversy. Are you there? Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. Seen of angels. Preached unto the Gentiles. Believed on in the world. Received up into glory. Amen. Now let's take it from the Amplified Translation. More emphatic. First Timothy 3.16 and great and important and weighty, we confess, is the hidden truth, the mystical secret of godliness. He, God, was made visible in human form or human flesh, justified and vindicated in the Holy Spirit, was seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. Amen. Did you see that? He, God, was made visible in human flesh. That's what we're talking about. And John 1.14 says, He became flesh and dwelt among men. John 1.14 And John 1 verse 1 to 2, you know, The beginning was the world, and the world was God, and the world was God. And He been with us as God, which has to do with Emmanuel. God with us. In order to restore us to the position Adam was before the fall. Is this coming what you call the first coming? Consider these questions. Why do you think of that? Who came to Adam in the garden? In Genesis 3 verse 8. God did. Who came down to destroy the Tower of Babel? John 11 1-9. God did. Who came to Abraham in Genesis chapter 18 when Sodom and Gomorrah was to be destroyed? God did. So God in Christ, because both of them are one, John 10 verse 30, I am a father one, have been coming to mankind. That's why Micah 5 2 talks about his coming forth, his goings forth, the plural. Now Christ and the Father Second coming I mean Is this what you call the second coming That's what I'm trying to find out God came to Abraham in Genesis 17 verse 1 Remember that And he returned Unto Sarah Abraham's wife Leading to the conception of Isaac The promised son Praise the Lord you see, I'm trying to make you say something. For every coming, there was, and it's a purpose tied to it. For every coming, there is a purpose tied to it. So, 
we find that in Genesis chapter 17 verse 1 and Genesis 17 9 Genesis 18 10 and Genesis 21 1 to 2 God came to Abraham and when he came it was towards the conception of Isaac the promised son in Exodus 13 15 to 16 we find that God came to Moses on the bony bush to take to himself the children of Israel in fact in Genesis 50 Joseph told the children of Israel God will surely visit you God will visit and he did come to Moses in Exodus 19 9-8 God came to the children of Israel and Sinai that he continues to come God also came to Shiloh in the days of Samuel you know that hallelujah Severally, he had been coming and in a human form was one of such comings and so that can be his first coming if I may be right now in the New Testament we have various shades of his comings which I think the church doesn't take note of at all for instance in Matthew 24-27 he comes as lightning in Matthew 26 verse 6 he comes as bridegroom in Matthew 25 verse 31 to 34 he comes as a king Matthew 13 26 he comes with the clouds John 14 sorry that is my mark mark 13 26 he comes with clouds then john 14 18 he comes to his saints john 14 3 he comes to receive the saints unto himself to a person and i want you to know that because we're going to deal with it i'll come and receive you unto myself he did unto a location not unto a house i will explain Second Thessalonians 1 7 to 8. He comes as a flaming fire. Second Thessalonians 1 10. He comes in his saints. Philippians 3 20 21. He comes in resurrection power. James 5 7 to 8. He comes as the rain. James 5 9. He comes as the judge. Jude 14. He comes with the saints. Revelation 1 and verse 7. Revelation 1 verse 7. He comes with the clouds. Or he comes in the clouds. Revelation 2 28. He comes as the morning star. Revelation 19, 11 and 14. He comes on the white horse. Revelation 16, verse 15. He comes as a thief. And above all, in the book of Malachi 3, 1 to 3, he comes as the refiner's fire. Now, which of these could be the second coming? Now, if I may ask a pertinent question, who came to your door? According to Revelation 
chapter 3 and verse 20. I stand out the door knocking. Remember that? Who came to your door? And did you open? Now, will you call that a second coming or a first? When Jesus told Judas in John 14, 2025, John 14, 2025, when he told Judas, if anyone love me, they will obey me, that my Father will love them, and we will come to them and live in them. Is there a fulfillment of this coming in the life of his people now or not? And if so, which of the comings that you know is this? In 2 Corinthians 6, 16, 13, 15, the Bible tells us, We are his temple. For him to make his abode in you means you are his temple. Right? Praise the Lord. Come again is a fulfillment of promise. When you read, I will come again. He didn't say I will come a second or a second coming. I keep on emphasizing that. You don't see the word second coming joined together. Come again is a fulfillment of a promise. And I'll make that clear to you. I will come again and receive you unto myself. John 14 verse 3. Mind you again now, there is no second and coming joined together in the Bible. You can find it. This is only scripture being alluded to. The words I will come again in the above scripture is rendered I shall return in the Jerusalem Bible. Note it. That when the word return or again surfaces in the Bible, it usually speaks of the fulfillment of a promise or in the contents of a promise yet to be fulfilled. For example, in Genesis 18, when you read from 10 to 14, the Lord promising Abraham concerning Isaac says, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Glory to God. The promise to Abraham of the birth of Isaac. Now, that Isaac, I mean Sarah, his wife, she bear him a son, Isaac, at a set time when he, God, will return. My question is this. Did we say God physically come back to Abraham and Sarah? Now, the fact that Isaac was born, is that not a clear indication that God really came back? Because he made a promise. I will return. Hallelujah. Or I will come again. Same thing. Did you get what I'm saying now? So the fact that Isaac was born means God came back according to his promise. Now follow on. The coming of the Holy Spirit was the fulfillment of the Father's promise to come again in John 14 verse 3. In this sense I can say return again is the same thing. So now, if you look at John 14, 16, you read this following. A little while, and he shall not see me. And again, a little while, and he shall see me. Because I go to the Father. Then said some of his disciples among themselves, What is this that he said unto us? A little while, and he shall not see me. And again, a little while, and he shall see me. 
and because I go to the Father. They say, therefore, what is this that he said? A little while. We cannot tell what he said. Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him. And he said unto them, Do ye not inquire among yourselves of that I said a little while, and you shall not see me, and again a little while you shall see me? Look at verse 20. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. What is that supposed to mean? Jesus was telling them of the pains they are going to experience because he was going to leave them. He's leaving them at that particular time in a little while. They are going to be in sorrow, persecution, or just the mere fact that he's no longer with them. But he says that sorrow will turn into joy. What will be the joy? That will be the promise of the Holy Spirit that will be poured out. Verse 21 says, And the woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembers no more of the anguish for joy that the man is born into the world. What is that supposed to mean? The man child born into the world here was a church that was bettered in the upper room when the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost upon the 120. Did you get that? So, the travail, let me say, and when she's in travail, she has sorrow, but her hour is come, but as soon as she is delivered of the child, so the pressure, the pain, the persecution, all of those things they are going to experience when he leaves them, they are just pointed to one major thing, a global event, if I may use the word, for them. So again, you must experience, I mean, begin to think about it as well, even particular time that we're in is pointed to something. A glorious manifestation of the man-child. Hallelujah. Now Christ is the same as the Holy Spirit. Because you may be wondering, no, but I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. But Christ is the same. Look at it. In Acts 2 verse 36, the Bible says, God has made or promoted or exalted, if you will, that same Jesus, the human figure that you used to know, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Glory to God. God has made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Peter was telling the Jews this on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 verse 36. Why? Because the Jesus said that in John 16 verse 10. I go to the Father. Where is the Father? Father is spirit. That is John 4 verse 24. I go to the Father. And you see me no more. John 16 verse 4. In John 4 24 we are told the Father is spirit. And now he says, I go to the Father. Right? And you see me no more. John 16 verse 10. See me no more as what? As a human being, physical human being, just like you are. Or just like I am now with you. You don't see me anymore in this form. Hallelujah. Why? Remember, in Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17, the Bible says, Now, the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty the Lord is that spirit did you get that what do you mean that spirit the spirit that came down on the day of Pentecost the Lord is that particular spirit that poured down on the day of Pentecost did you get it 
Hallelujah. It is the same thing as the comforter, the Holy Spirit. It is the same thing as Jesus. Now, in John 14, 16, that's what the Bible says. And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, because He was then comforting them, right? That He may abide with you forever. But the comforter quenched the Holy Ghost. That is the Holy Ghost now. Whom the Father will send in my name. What is that supposed to mean? In my nature. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. John 14, 26. Now, but if you go to John 15, verse 26. This is what the Bible says. But when the Comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father. Even the Spirit of Truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. Oh, praise God. When you read John 14, verse 26, right? John 14, 16 and 26, he said, My Father will send, the Father will send in my name. But when you get down to John 15, 26, what did he say? The Comforter whom I will send. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, John 16, verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Praise God. Praise God. I want you to notice that. And it's so vitally important. Amen. If I go, listen, I say, it's expedient, it's necessary, it's important for me that I go away. Why? Because as long as I'm with you, I'm limited. And in that sense, I am the only one having the Holy Spirit. You don't have the Holy Spirit resident within you. You must realize, the apostles could do nothing except he asked them to. The Holy Spirit was not resident in them. He was just coming over them. Empowering them like he did on something. Is that okay? Now he's saying it's important for me to go. If I don't go, the Holy Spirit will not come and take residence in your life. Glory to God. At that stage, you can do the things that I'm doing. Remember what he said? Greater things shall you do. Praise God. And so, when he's come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That verse 8. Verse 9. Of sin because they believe not on me. I'm reading John 16, verse 9. Of sin because they believe not on me. Why? Remember, is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. And the world don't believe that. But he said the Holy Spirit will come and convince the world of sin. Did you see that? Now verse 10 says, Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more. As a physical being. So, you, you just read John 16, 8 to 10. Praise the Lord. Did you see that? You won't see me as a physical being no more I'm not the one that wrote that I'm not the one that said that he said it and he has a reason why he said it too so friends when he said I come again it was nothing but what a promise of the Holy Spirit that fulfilled on the day of Pentecost with the betting of the new church it has nothing whatsoever to do with a rapture promise amen Absolutely not. Nothing to do with the rapture promise. He wasn't promising them. You know, it's coming to take them by way of the rapture. No, that was not it. That was not it. You there with me? 
Praise the living God. Are you still here? Amen? Alright. Okay. Now we proceed. Praise the Lord. Let's quickly proceed. John 14 again. Let's deal with this aspect of it, which I think is also vitally important on this particular subject now. So, again, John 14 verse 3. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Now, the second appearing is a revelation of Christ within us. Kind of subtopic here. Now, we are looking at the above one, one might think that Jesus, when he said, I'll come again, that means he wants to come. I mean, he's talking about what we commonly call second coming in the Bible. That is widely anticipated in the church today. Are you there with me? A may look at the above statement. One might think that come again, when I say I'll come again, that Jesus talked about implies the popular second coming that is widely anticipated in the church today. But that is not what Jesus really meant. Like we said in the previous post or discussion. He was merely promising the disciples his coming as the Holy Spirit to unite with them after his death and resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So his coming as the Holy Spirit was the fulfillment of the Father's promise to return again in John 14 verse number 3. And again like I said in John 16 He talks about a little while you shall see me And again a little while and shall see me You shall not see me because I go to the Father I explain that little while is a period of his death and his resurrection Walking with them in a glorified body for a few days Or 40 days we will before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit On the fifth day And we know that the Lord is that spirit Just trying to recap and remind you So that we will be able to follow properly so we know that he came back to them as the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The passage therefore was not about a physical being coming down from heaven. That means the Spirit has taken over as a new dispensation of God coming to his people. The Spirit will now demonstrate the right of Jesus to the title Son of God. You know Jesus says the Son of God. John 10, 33, John 19:7. The Holy Spirit now give approval to that statement. Give proof of that statement that Jesus made I am the son of God he's going to the father will prove that he is God's son John 13 verse 1 20 17 therefore he's one with the father John 17 verse 5 he's one with the father he's one and the same with the father now his ascension shows where he came from where did he come from he came from the father John 6 38 62 and John 8 42 hallelujah and then in Ephesians 4 verse 10 very important and he that descended as a human being it is him also that ascended up far above all heavens that is realms of spiritual existence that he may fill all things with himself this is very very important that he may fill all things with himself why? because he is now spirit he couldn't fill all things with himself as a human being but now as a spirit he can you see the difference he ascended when he came as a human being he was just one place one figure but he said he is now ascending and is coming back to fill all things with himself what is that himself the spirit 
to fill all realms of life with his presence through the spirit now if you look at john 12 from 24 down to 31 you begin to get a story how the disciples came to him and said the greeks want to see you hallelujah the greeks want to see you and he replied them and said this is why i mean and he said if a corn of wheat remains he abided alone but if he fall to the ground and die he bringeth forth more fruit where you're supposed to mean remember they came to say the greeks want to see you and he began to launch into this talk what is the meaning of that you should have simply told them what well, i am busy ask them to hold on i will come to them but he said no the corn of wheat if it remains abides alone what he meant to tell them is this you listen closely to me it's because i'm still standing here that is why you're asking people to come look for me but i'm about going to the cross i'm going to die and then i'll come down as a holy spirit and feel every one of you and so whoever is looking for jesus show him yourself that that is me because i'm going to be expressing myself through you can you get the implication of that that is what jesus told the disciples before he died so know we know man after the flesh second corinthians 18 verse 16 even though we have known christ after the flesh know we him no more henceforth we can know christ in a physical form anymore it's now working in the spirit amen in 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 hebrews chapter 9 verse 28 you have this scripture unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation <laughs> i just want you to take a look pay close attention unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation those looking for him not everybody but you know what we normally quote every eye shall see him <laughs> somebody say but david that's what the scripture says yes of course i will explain when i get there but look at this scripture unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time not come again not second coming second time without sin unto salvation again i can think this one of the passage that the church has misapplied to mean the super second coming now to start with the book of hebrews chapter 9 deals with the priestly ministry of jesus note that and according to the above scripture Christ shall appear unto them that look for him and not unto everybody as the church has made us believe unto them that look for him so you need to find a correct meaning of what the scripture says here the word is second time second time not second coming so when was the first time now the first time or the first appearing is found in verse 26 24 to 26 of the same hebrews chapter 9 let's go over there hebrews chapter 9 24 for christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands which are the figure of the true but into on, into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of god for us can you get the first appearing into the presence of god for us praise the lord did you see that hallelujah now yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year 
with the blood of others. Verse 20 says, For their mercy often have suffered since the foundation of the world. Now the foundation of the world talks about the old covenant. But he said, But now once at the end of the world, the end of the old covenant, had he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Hallelujah. Now, consider this. In the Old Testament, the atoning sacrifice was not accomplished merely by the killing of the animal at the brazen altar. The blood had to be taken by the high priest to the most holy place, where it was presented to God by the high priest. When the blood is taken over there, it simply speaks that for that year the sins of the people have been forgiven. They are cleansed, they are holy, they can go back home rejoicing. But their sins are be forgiven based on the yearly sacrifices. Are you getting that? And the high priest is the one that presents the blood in the most holy place. He goes there once a year, only by himself. So Jesus, being a high priest, first of all offered the lamb on the cross. Now he wants to present the blood of atonement before God. That's verse twenty-four. Now he has to present that blood of sacrifice before God. And this is the reason why he told Mary, Touch me not in John 20, verse 19, because I have not yet ascended to my father and your father. What is the purpose of that? He has to ascend to perfect the work of atonement without being defiled. He doesn't want Mary to touch him because, as a high priest, he ought to be moving to the most holy place. He's taking the sacrificial blood, the blood of sacrifice, to go and present before the altar in the most holy place. Can you see that? That is the way it was done in the Old Testament. And so Jesus appeared the first time, or the first appearing now, which is verse 24 down to 26, was to present the blood of sacrifice. And that's why I'm saying, that's why he told Mary, I have not yet ascended. So what he meant to say was, I have not performed yet the full duty of the high priest in relation to atonement. Praise the Lord. So how does that how does this apply to us today? Good. Christ as high priest did not offer his blood in a physical, literal temple like in Israel, but rather in the most holy place. That is within us. We are now the temple of God and also one not made with hands by the type that God dwells in. The Bible says God doesn't live in temple made with hands, but live in temple made with the Spirit. Ephesians 2 verse 22. Hallelujah. So if you look at Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, Hebrews 8, 1 to 3, we are the temple of the living God. Is that right? Hallelujah. So we are the tabernacle in which the Lord God has preached, which is his tent. It is right in us that God dwells. It's our heart that the blood of Christ, his life and consciousness is now being brought to in order to perfect our conscience. Did you get that? In our heart. The blood of Christ is life and his consciousness is now being brought to to perfect our conscience according to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 9. If you take time to study you find that the Old Testament was a figure for the time then present. Bible says, verse 9, in the which we offer both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as touching what? The conscience. Amen? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Are you following it? I want you to get this because it's very, very important. Very, very important. 
Very, very important. Is that okay? Right. Praise the Lord. Now, if you go then to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Very quickly. Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, let's look at verse, verse 1 to 3. In Hebrews 10, 1 to 3. And this is what it says. For the law, having a shadow of things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the commas thereunto perfect. Verse 2 says, For then would they not have they will cease to offer it, because that the worshippers once purged shall have had no conscience of sins. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, in Hebrew 9 14, Bible says, So Christ, through the Holy Eternal Spirit, offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works, that is, the removing of our sin consciousness and animal sacrifices, to do what? To serve the living God, having obtained eternal redemption for us through the Spirit, through that one sacrifice that he offered. Hebrew 9 14. Are you following? Therefore, we now receive the Christ consciousness in place of sin consciousness, as the Lord of the Spirit of Christ is written in our hearts and in our minds. Hebrews 10, I mean Hebrews 8 verse 10, and Romans 8 verse number 2. Now, this appearing, which we're dealing with in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 28, is a revelation of Christ within us. Again, we we'll look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. Unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. The word appear used here is the Greek word otanomai. Otanomai. And it means to appear or show. It is the same word used in the book of Acts. Chapter 7, verse 30 and 35 to describe the appearance of the angel that appeared to Moses in the burning bush. Now, if Moses' burning bush experience is anything to go by, we can see that there was no physical appearance of God to Moses. Yet God's presence was manifested to him and he was ordained as a deliverer to the children of Israel. Also, Paul have the same word used in Acts chapter 26 and verse number 16. Anytime this word surfaces in the word of Jesus Christ to Paul, you begin to see that it's driving towards something. So we find also that the word appeared again through the mouth of Jesus to Paul on the road to Damascus. Now look at it. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister. That's a target, a transformation, an assignment to be accomplished. The point here is this Paul never saw Jesus on the physical. What he saw was a light from heaven, as himself said. But look at the question he asks in 1 Corinthians 9, verse, 9, verse 1. And that's the puzzle, because Paul says, Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus? 
Now, when did he saw Jesus? He saw lightning. So, the poor really saw Jesus physically with his natural eyes? I think the answer is no. Once again, what he saw was a blinding light from heaven. As himself said, look at what he finally said again in the book of Galatians, chapter 1, 15 to 16. But don't forget that. He saw a light, not a human being. And from that light, the voice came. Is that okay? Right. Now, in Galatians 1, 15, 16, he said, But when he pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me by his grace, to reveal his son in me, that I may preach him among the heathen, I confess now with flesh and blood. Oh, glory to God. When it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, that is called me now, and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I may preach him among the heathen, I confess not with flesh and blood. Amen. So we see that the experience he had on the way to Damascus was actually a revelation of Christ in him. Amen? It was a revelation of Christ in him. Take special note of the word in as used in that passage. The revelation he had was in him and not to him. The soul was not revealed to him but was revealed in him. Amen? If it will be to him we mean that Christ showed up physically and that will be inaccurate in the contents of which he is speaking. My beloved, can you see now that the second time appearing of Jesus is in those that look for him? In other words, that he may complete his work of atonement thereby commissioning them? He appeared to Paul to commission him. I have appeared unto them and I shall appear again unto you. Oh, glory to God. Somebody need to pick this. So when he's appearing to those looking for him, is to finish the work of atonement and commission them for an assignment upon the face of the earth. We are not just in Christ. Christ is also in us. And he's our hope of glory, according to Colossians 1.27. Christ dwells in us. We are his temple. His spirit and our spirit have become one. So you look at 1 Corinthians 6.17 But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. I'm going to explain this more in our next broadcast. Now, there is a power at work in us right now. I'm going to Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. The Bible talks about unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. According to the power that worketh in us. Can you see that? Praise the Lord. This power is the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of Christ himself who dwells in us. Did you see that? Okay now. Unto them that look for him. Hebrews 9.28 again. For he shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. First question I'm asking you. Is this to do with salvation? You already saved. You already saved from sin. But unto salvation, what kind of salvation? You say without sin. That's to say it's not appearing to deal with sin. It's appearing for somethingness. Hallelujah. 
when you appear in that which you call the first time as a human being is to deal with sin but now it's appearing it's unto salvation now the word look in the above passage when it's unto do that look for him it's from the Greek word komae, and it means to respectfully to look to wait for that's the word translated looking in Hebrews 12 verse number 2 if you look at it from the Amplified Translation, this is what it says. Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, given the first incentive for our belief. And it's also is finished, bringing into maturity and perfection. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. He began something in us. He's finishing it. He's maturing it. Unto those that look for Him, shall He appear. A second time without sin not to deal with sin but to bring that to a place of maturity and perfection hallelujah now the reason Christ is appearing a second time unto them that look for him is to make perfect to bring them to maturity and finish the work of atonement if they have begun in them is that okay now you look at the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 22 don't forget, it's not coming to do with sin. No. It's coming with another purpose to do something very unique and different. And so look at it. Romans 8, 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruit of the Spirit. Talking about creation, waiting, groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Right? Right. Now when you come to verse 23, says, Not only they, not only creation, but ourselves also which have the first fruit of the Spirit, even we ourselves do groan within ourselves, waiting for what? The adoption to wait, the redemption of our body. The redemption, the redemption of our bodies. For we are saved by hope. What hope? Not hope of the rapture, but the hope of the redemption of our body. But I hope that is sin. It's not hope. We can say this is the kind of body that we are supposed to have. He's talking about the kind of body that Jesus had when he rose from the grave. That is what he's dealing with now. For what a man see it, what does he hear hope for? We can we're hoping for something. We're not hoping for rapture. We're hoping for a glorified body. I wish somebody can follow me. Now Look at this from Philippians. Look at this from Philippians. Amplified translation. Uh, Philippians 3 verse 20, 21. Waiting for the redemption of physical body. Why? Because we are citizens of the state. The common way, the homeland, which is in heaven. Not shall be, but which is in heaven. And from it also, we earnestly and patiently await the coming, the manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, our Savior. Mm. Hallelujah. He saved off from our sin. We're waiting for him to save us from this corrupt body. This dead, decaying body. Verse 21. We will transform, oh glory now, and fashion anew the body of our humiliation to conform to and be like the body of his glory and majesty by exerting the power which enables him even to subject everything to himself. Glory to God. I wish somebody can catch this. Are you following that? We're waiting for him to do what? 
to transform and fashion anew the body of this humiliation, this dead body, this sick body, and to conform to be and to be like the body of his glory and majesty by exerting the power which enables him even to subject all things unto himself. Mm. Hallelujah. Can you see that? So we're talking about a transformation of our body. This is what we're waiting for. And listen, it's not from our side of us. It's not coming from our side. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Omakatarisa. Colossians 3, Tesla 3 to 4. Christ is your life. And when Christ shall appear, then shall you appear with him in glory. We are talking about the same kind of transformation that took place on the Mount of Transfiguration. The same metamorphosis. The Bible is saying you are going to transfigure. That is the kind of body we are talking about. And he's saying this is happening by reason of the spirit that dwells within us. There is a power. Oh no, oh no. We are not looking for something outside of the space to come. No, it is right from within us. You see, when he transfigured, the glory came out of him and he saw him transfigured. Even the clothes were putting on on the mount of transfiguration. That is what he's talking about. Are you there? This is what is meant by, you know, when you go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, um, then 51 to 54. What did you see there? Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruption shall put on incorruption, and this mortal put on immortality, then it shall be brought to pass. The saying that is written, the dead is swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. Now let, let me just point a few things out to you here. What is he saying in a moment? He's not talking about a moment in terms of your, the tickling of your wristwatch. No. The word moment is atomos in the Greek. And speaks of that which has to do with the atomic structure. What it means is every atom of your being, every every vessel, every cell structure of your being shall receive a change. Shall receive a change. Oh glory. Are you there with me? That's what the word atomos mean. And when you read the word twinkling of an eye, it's not it's not describing your eyelids. The word is ripe, R-I-P-E in the Greek. And ripe speaks of that which is like a switch turning around. It's like you're in a dark room, everywhere so quiet, the dead night, all of a sudden your door just, you know, flung open. What's the next response? You're going to jack. It's a jack. It's a turning around. It's a switch turning around to the direction that light is coming from. Oh, now I can understand. Second Corinthians chapter 3, when we begin to read 17 to 18, it talks about as we behold Him, we are changed from glory to glory to glory, glory to God, as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's what it means, twinkling. Twinkling is not taking in terms of seconds. No, no, no. It's a ripe, R-I-P-E. A sudden check, a sunny turning around. The moment we turn and begin to look at them. And he said, that's going to be at the last trump. What does that mean? The last message. We know trump and the Bible speaks of messages. At the last, for the trump shall sound. The sounding of the trumpet. Oh, glory to God. You can see what happened. Ma, 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 ma. On the mountain. Mount Zion. On the mountain. 
when Moses was descending, the Bible said the trumpet sound louder and louder and louder. So it's a greater dimension of the word of God coming in reality to begin to bring a quickening to the bodies of those who are hearing. Praise the Lord. And the dead, the dead in Christ, not dead in sin, not dead in trespasses. To be dead doesn't mean you are buried in the grave. To be dead in Christ means Christ is controlling your life. It means to be dead to sin. But now you are dead in Christ. Oh, glory. If you are dead to sin, you are dead in Christ. If you are dead in sin, you are dead to Christ. You need to understand these simple phrases that Paul used. So, Colossians 3 says, You are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Seek those things above. Oh, hallelujah. Did you get the point now? And the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Hallelujah. So, we're talking about a set of people that will receive a transformation as we continue to watch, to look, to behold. I mean, when it talks about look, we're talking about waiting. We're talking about, oh, come on. Like he told them, you just wait in the upper room. For it is not for you to know the time and the season that God has placed in the power. Ish. When the Holy Spirit shall descend, it's not for you to know. Just go wait. Oh no, come on. I love this. And right at the moment, it came unknown to them. That's what we're talking about. You don't know when this can happen. It's not a trumpet that sound that takes you up into the, into the sky. It's a message that brings the revelation of God for the word that I speak unto you. They are spirit and they are life. Como are you following me? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So that's the point. So when that begins to happen, there's a transformation. The more you're hearing this message of life, the more life is impacted to you, the more you're growing in your spirit, man, the more the Christ in you is receiving that oh come on now. It's coming up and there's going to be an explosion at the appointed time. You put on incorruptible life. This body must be transformed hallelujah when it comes to be glorified in us this body must be transformed what is he saying he transformed a fashion anew the body of our humiliation to conform to and be like the body of his glory and majesty by exerting the power which enables him even to subject everything to himself we're talking of the kind of body that he had when the disciples were afraid and he walked through the body. This is a body that walked through walls. Kimaya. This is a body that goes through teleportation, moves from one location to another. Oh man, Kamaya Taraba. It's a new day, it's a new life. And I am saying, every shaking, every quickening, like I was telling the disciples, when the woman is in travail, Koba Shata, he cries and wakes and shout and feel all the pains but sooner than later when a man child is born joy overwhelms a woman a new day is coming a new season is coming he promised that to them in John 16 and what happened when the man child was born in the upper room man the people came down and they thought they were drunk why? because for the new season mm. glory to God can you see what I'm saying? this is a mystery something is about to happen people it's not talking about taking you up into the cloud. Listen and listen closely. You already, First Corinthians 5, already makes you understand. You've experienced the feast of Passover. According to the issue of tabernacles, I mean, of, of, of Pentecost, the upper room, we have received and experienced the feast of Pentecost. But there's one more feast. Because look at Deuteronomy 16, 16. It talks about three feasts. 
I will come to you. Come to me three times in a year. The Feast of Week, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Now we experience the two physical feasts. We will not lift it up anywhere up into the sky. Now the third feast we must also experience. And that's the Feast of Tabernacle. No wonder scripture said the tabernacle of God is with man. I saw the holy city, heavenly Jerusalem, drawn as a bride, coming down out of heaven, adored with the glory of God. This is a new day we are coming into. God tabernacle with his people. A new season is done in people. I'm telling you, something glorious is in the making. Something glorious is in the horizon. We are talking about the time, just like children of Israel, coming from the wilderness. And the people were afraid. Jericho shut all their walls. And said, who is that coming from the wilderness? When the fear of the church gripped the whole citizen, gripped the whole nation, gripped every city that they find themselves. The church is going to come forth again. For I build my church, and the gate of hell shall not prevail. And this is the church that are going to stand forth upon the face of the earth. Men shall behold and see of a true Christ have risen again. Halabashanda. Resurrection of Christ within his body, which is the church. This is the church is building. Not the church that's afraid of the Antichrist. Not the church that's running away from the earth. This is the church that is going to rule and reign with Christ right here on the earth. For the kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And it shall reign forever and ever. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Is everybody catching this? So Christ is not coming to catch away people, but to transform them. And it is actually done within for salvation in spirit, soul, and body. Hallelujah. Are you following me? This is what we are saying. This is what the Lord promised. So when he told them, I come again, I will return. And he returned in the Holy Spirit. When he said, I appear a second time, Oh my God, not unto sin but unto salvation is to transform our physical body. And that is what we are waiting for. For hope that is sin is no hope. But we are hoping for the transformation of our bodies. This is the next thing or the agenda of God's spirit, of God's working in relation to the redemption of mankind. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you. In Jesus name. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this teaching. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.